Hey, I enjoyed that. like your music. But you, you need to let that poor drummer get out of there. Whatever he did, I'm sure he's sorry for it. <laughs> you know, if he said he's sorry, I mean, you know. I thought it's interesting, that little James verse, draw, draw close to God. He'll be close to you. doesn't work the other way around, whether you know it or not. Hey, nice to be with you. My name is Kevin Lehman. I live in Tucson, Arizona. I've been married to the same lucky woman for 42 years in a row. <laughs> the in a row part's the hard part. Uh, and we've got five kids. If you hear me refer to Mrs. Uppington, that's the woman I live with. She's the classy one of the two of us. She's the firstborn. A little bossy. But uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. We're going to have a good time this morning looking at how practical God's Word really is. And tonight we're going to talk about uh, having a new husband by Friday, which is not a cash for clunkers program. <laughs> and uh, this is actually a book that men like their wives to read. The Wednesday part of the book is... Uh, Think about what you're going to say. Now divide it by ten. So it gets into understanding the great differences that God made uh, in men and women. There's some humor in it, believe me. And then tomorrow morning we're going to do a thing on mother stress. There will be a few men in here. If you want to come, men, just show up. You don't have to look like you belong in a Bud Light commercial. Uh, just show up. Um, and that's if you ever thought you'd like to... Talk to somebody like me and pick my brain about things, uh, that's your opportunity. That's probably in many ways uh, the best part of what we do on weekends. Tomorrow night we're talking about have a new kid by Friday. If you have kids that have behavioral issues or you just want to become a better parent, or your kid's got an attitude, I guarantee you in 48 hours uh, they won't have an attitude. That's sort of the fun part of it. <laughs> it's so much fun to see kids freak out. Uh, our topic this morning is the deception of perfection. The deception of perfection. It's based on a little scripture tucked away in the book of Matthew, Matthew 5:48, that says, But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, I don't know how many of you know my friend Chuck Swindoll, but Chuck is a wonderful Bible teacher. He's the baby of the family. I'd have to tell you that. that's where that wonderful sense of humor comes from. And uh, I, had, I had Chuck as a guest on my uh, radio show, and I said, Chuck, I said, there's a scripture that really bothers me. And as only Swindoll could say, he said, Lehman, I would think there'd be a lot of scripture bother a guy like you. <laughs> and I said, be nice, Chucky. In fact, I'm probably one of the few people in the world to get away with calling him Monsignor Chucky. That's my pet name for him. And uh, so he says, what's the scripture? And I I tell him, and he retorts back, and, and then he goes like this. He goes, ah, I know what you're hung up on. You're hung up on the word perfect, aren't you? And I said, yeah. Is anybody else hung up with that word perfect? And then he starts speaking Greek to me. The man can speak Greek. And it's intimidating to be in the presence of somebody who can speak Greek. And he pulls up this word teleos. He says, Kevin, you know, he says you can almost see the movement in that, in that uh, verse. He says it really doesn't mean perfect in the sense that you and I think of perfect. He says, you see maturity in that word. You see growth in that word. And I talk about becoming a pursuer of excellence in life. When I do business groups, I've, I've spoken to every business, Fortune 500 company you could think of. And uh, 
they had me do a thing uh, on birth order and leadership and sales, and I, I can do all that kind of stuff for people. But the bottom line is it's all about relationships, and none of us are perfect. But we want to be a pursuer of excellence in life. You don't want your kids to fail. And yet, what better place for the Christian kid to fail than in a home? That's the safest place for them. Uh, two simple points in this uh, sermon, for lack of a better term. I'm not a preacher, as you'll find out <laughs> real shortly. Uh, the, the point number one is don't be Pharisee-like in your walk with Christ. You know, the Pharisees are alive and well on the planet Earth. They live life by rules. Now, I married a Baptist. And uh, she got rules. She got too many rules. It's all about relationships. My friend Josh McDowell said one profound thing in his entire life. But it was so profound I stole it from him. He said, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Think about that. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. You can't just follow a set of rules and enter the kingdom of God. You've got to have a relationship with your maker through his son Jesus. And by the way, I, I don't have time to tell you the whole Maybe I'll tell you at the seminar. But there's one thing I didn't want to be in life. It was a Christian. I mean, I avoided Christians like the plague. I thought they were the geekiest people known to mankind. And then just before my 22nd birthday, I, I became one. <laughs> it was sort of a shocking experience. Because even in that church service that I didn't want to go to, everything that happened in that church service I didn't want to have happened, but it happened. More about that at another time and day. But I get a kick out of Christians because they make fools of themselves. They're dumb as mud. And they love, they love all the little signs of Christianity. I mean, we are in love with the Christian fish. You know that little Christian fish you got in your car? In fact, I was coming over the bridge. I'm over here at the hotel across the street. And a car goes by me. You know the empty license plate in the front? The whole thing is just the Christian fish. And I thought to myself, man, that's a big Christian. But see, we got so inventive now. We got the, we got the big Christian fish eating Darwin. You've seen that one? And then you got the two big fish with a little fish showing the little family. I mean, it's so cute. We love that. Look at me. I'm a Christian. We'd put that sucker on anything. We'd put it on our tail if we could. You know, look at me. I'm a Christian. And if we could only drive like Christians, that might be, a, that might be an improvement. But you, you get my point on that. That it's sort of nice to say, look at me. I'm a believer. I understand that. Uh, but bumper stickers, that's another thing that gets me going. There's one Christian bumper sticker. Well, I don't like most of them in general. Okay, I'll be honest with you. But there's one that drives me right at the wall. Listen to it. Caution. In case of rapture, this car will go unmanned. Now, if you're in downtown Bentonville, is there a downtown Bentonville? Is there? <laughs> and you come to a stoplight and you look down there and you see this bumper sticker, Caution, in case of rapture, this car will go on man. You know what I'm going to do if I'm a heathen? I'm going to get out of the car and drop to my knees right there at the intersection. My life's going to be changed looking at that thing. No, I'm going to think, you pompous jerk. That's what I'm probably going to think. But there is one I do like. It simply says Christians aren't perfect. They're what? Just forgiven. Aren't you glad you worship a God of grace who loves you despite your stupidity? I'm telling you, when you figure out how inadequate you are, then you can really get to a point where you can really experience the joy of knowing who your, who your maker is through his son, Jesus.
I'm curious, how many of you parents this morning on this Sabbath yelled at your children? How many of you? Put your hand up high. I want to see where you are. Yeah, I notice all the, all the kids, all, take a look at the kids. The kids are going, where are they? Where are they? Get their names. Yeah, it's so easy to do. You know, I'll pick on you men, okay, you men. You're the leader of the family, right? Remember when your wife appointed you that position? <laughs> well, think about that for a while. Sort of funny. And, uh, and, and you're in the SUV and you're counting heads. We count heads for kids. You got a few. I got five kids. I've, I've counted heads. I know what that's like. And all of a sudden you realize the four-year-old is not in the car. Well, you, you know, you, you, you could be an elder in a church. It makes no difference. You could go to mission trips to Africa. makes no difference. All of a sudden that little switch goes off inside of you. And you get in touch with your feelings. And you go running in that house, and there's your four-year-old with her underwear tucked in her back pocket. Not a good sign they're ready. What do you say to the four-year-old child? What are you doing in here? You are supposed to be in that car right now, young man. We are going to get in there right now. We are going to worship the Lord together today as a family. And we belt that kid in. We drive nine miles to church, and we walk through the door and greet people in the name of the Lord. Oh, hi. How are you? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And your little four-year-old is looking up at you going, oh, Yeah, that strikes a little close to home, doesn't it? I mean, I'm telling you that's who we are, okay? And so what you have to understand is that Jesus, when he walked this earth, violated the rules. There was a guy named Levi who was a tax collector. And don't take my word for it. You can read it in Luke chapter 5, starting in the 27th verse. And Levi, that's Matthew, okay, for lack of a better term, throws a luncheon in Jesus' honor. And Jesus goes there. And when the, when the Pharisees found out that Jesus was going to go eat with that lowlife tax collector, and you've got to remember, everybody hated the tax collectors, okay, they complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, what, he's going to eat with those notorious sinners? What is it that Jesus says? He says, hey, it's the sick guy that needs a physician, not those who think of themselves already good enough. You know, Monsignor Mike said something interesting earlier today about tweeting and uh, getting that message out. See, see, the ministry of the church doesn't come out of the pulpit. By the way, you guys ought to really have a special offering. I won't go there, but anyway. Um, you know, the ministry of this church is when we go out in life. And somebody says, you know, you're a little different than most. What makes you tick? That's the best compliment you get. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, again, don't be Pharisee-like in your walk with Christ. The rules don't do it. It's all about relationships you develop. Uh, point number two. Okay, see how simple this is? The whole thing, the whole weekend will be simple like this. But you'll walk away, I'm telling you, when you walk away tonight, you're going to have a, a much better understanding of this man you live with, ladies. And conversely, gentlemen, you're going to be glad I said some of the things I said. Because if you're like most of us as men, you really don't tell your wives how you really feel. Do you? Because you're afraid. <laughs> tell the truth. Point number two, flaunt your imperfection. Flaunt your imperfection. Now, it's unnatural to flaunt imperfection. You women, I'll pick on you for a second. You spend billions of dollars a year covering up, you know, cosmetics, etc. And my wife, uh, my wife, Mrs. Uppington, very pretty woman. I mean, she's, she's a looker. and She's 64 years old. 
She'll walk in a restaurant. Men will turn and look at that woman. She's just strikingly pretty. It's always funny because they look at her, and then they move. They give her the, what I call the fish eye, which is like, oh, oh that's a good-looking woman. And then they move over a notch and go, oh, how'd that happen? That happened to me so many times. But anyway, uh, Mrs. Uppington uh, is uh, a piece of work in many, many ways. And she loves to tell me what to do. That's one of the joys, I think, that's in her life. She's the firstborn. Okay? I'm the baby. Women, I bet in Arkansas you could talk about hunting, couldn't you, without getting booed out of the place? You ever work with a bird dog gentleman or ladies? A bird dog in a field? They're sort of fun to watch because when they see that bird, they come to a full point. You know, it's like <laughs> tail goes out, leg comes out. I mean, they're really sort of fun to watch. Women, women have the ability to come to a full point. They do it when they're shopping, you know. Oh, I love that. Or they do it when they see they they do it when they see their girlfriend got a new hairdo. You know, they go, Oh, oh, I love your hair, which is the cue for the woman to say what. Oh, don't even mention my hair. Oh, look at my hair. No, I want it like this and like this. She takes out a picture, shows her. I want to do mine. Wedge it back here. My angular, my long neck and all. I mean, they go into the big thing about it. It's sort of funny when you think about it. Got a haircut, huh, Mike? Yep. Talk about differences. There they are. We're out for dinner, Mrs. Uppington and I. It's a Friday night. Remember, we're talking about flaunting your imperfection. And she comes to a full point at dinner, and she goes, oh, Leamy, Leamy. Oh, it's Friday night. Yes, honey, it's Friday night. Oh, tomorrow morning I'm going to go decorate for that thing I have in a church. Oh, why did, I, why did I volunteer for that? Oh, how am I ever going to get up? She's not a morning person. Okay? And uh, she says to me, she says, Oh, honey, the Johnsons are coming for dinner tomorrow night. And i got to go out there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, listen, I need you to do me a huge favor, a huge favor. Now, listen to me. I need you to go to Marie Callender's Pie Shop. And I want you to get one pumpkin pie and one lemon meringue pie. That's one pumpkin pie and one lemon meringue pie. That's one of the things I really dislike about my wife. She talks to me like I'm a four-year-old. I went to college 13 years. I think I could retain it overnight. One pumpkin pie, one lemon meringue pie. Okay. So I started to tell you before that She's not a morning person. This goes back to you women covering up. She's got this apricot stuff that she puts on her face. It's an eight-sided jar. It's all I know. And when she gets up in the morning, uh, as pretty as she is, uh, <laughs> she's got issues. <laughs> and, 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 and she takes this stuff, and, it, you know, I don't know what it does, but it sort of brings out the beauty in her or whatever. But um, the point is we tend to, to, to cover up. Now, Back to my job of being a good husband and bagging her those pies. I get up the next morning, and she's gone. In 42 years of marriage, there's only been twice that she's ever been up before me, and this is one of the occasions. 
And it was so strange for me because I get up and the first thing I do is feel over for my wife. And she's not there. And I, then it hit me. Oh, she had to get up. She's gone. And I walked out in the kitchen. There's a five-by-seven card, note card, folded over so it pops up. It says, Dear Leamy, I miss you already. Which, let me point out, is a barefaced lie. <laughs> she says, don't forget the pies. <laughs> well, I love college football. And uh, I know the Razorbacks have had a tough time of late. And I saw the thing in the morning paper about the basketball. That's interesting. Well, anyway, I love, uh, I love college sports. I'm home alone. And I thought, you know what? Out west where I live, college football comes on at 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, you watch football all day long if you live where I live. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go get those stupid pies. So I go to Marie Callender's pie shop, walk in. The first thing that greets me is this big sign that says, Pumpkin Pie, October Special, regularly $10.99, $4.99. Well, what do you do? <laughs> Two pumpkin. One lemon meringue. So I get three pies. I bring them home, watching football. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to have myself a piece of pumpkin pie. I go out, cut myself a big piece of pumpkin pie. Ladies, no fork. No plate. No nada. En la mano. Como este. I wolfed down that piece of pumpkin pie. And then... <laughs> Do you ever talk to yourself? How many of you talk to yourself? Do you talk to yourself? I talk to myself all the time. And I said, I said, you know, that's stupid. You ought to savor a piece of pumpkin pie. You shouldn't wolf it down like that. And there's nothing better than a, if you like cold milk and pumpkin pie or a cup of coffee. I like coffee. And so uh, I went out and cut myself another piece of pumpkin pie. And this time I put Ready Whip on it, whipped cream, and I put it on a paper plate and brought it in with a fork, and I actually ate it like a sane person should eat a piece of pumpkin pie. And then a commercial break, I went and grabbed the pie and brought it into where the TV was. <laughs> and all I brought was a little kitchen knife, okay? And I did the little sliver thing. Do you ever do the little sliver thing? You know, won't. Do another little sliver. Won't, won't, won't. Before long, I looked down there. There's one measly little piece of pumpkin pie left. Well, what do you do? Eat the evidence. I ate the whole pumpkin pie. Oh, that's my imperfection. What's yours? Well, about an hour and a half later, Mrs. Uppington comes through the front door. And I hear her rattling around in the kitchen. And she says, oh, honey, thank you for getting me the pies. You're so sweet. And she's making herself a fresh pot of coffee. Well, God is my judge. I mean, I'm sitting there like a bullfrog on the side of a pond. I can hardly move. She hangs her sweet face around the corner. She says, Lee me. She said, would you like just a little piece of pumpkin pie? <laughs> now, listen to what I said to her. I said, uh, uh, no, honey, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be good. <laughs> well, again, you know, we, we laugh, but that's the life we live, isn't it? And, and it's interesting that I've garnered so much strength from these guys in God's Word who walked and talked with Jesus. I mean, they saw him in Cana in Galilee, and it's recorded in John 2. It's his first miracle. And they're at a wedding bash, and they run out of vino. And Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and says, Hey, son, come here. Do your thing. 
Now, what does Jesus say to his mother? He says, woman. Love to call my wife woman just once. Uh, he, he says, woman, what have you to do? He separates himself from his He says, no. That's what he says. Now, what does she say to him? Does she say, excuse me, excuse me, eyes up here. Do you know who I am? I am your mother. I pushed you out of me when I was 14 years old. Do you understand that? You ungrateful little snot? It's not what she said. Did she know who Jesus was? Absolutely. She turns to the steward and says, do whatever my son tells you to do. You want a principle in life? There it is. She puts the tennis ball of life back in Jesus' court. He changes the water into wine. And what's the guy say when he tastes the wine? He says, wow, this is top-shelf stuff. This isn't Ripple or Strawberry Hill or whatever they sell down at the convenience mart. This is the best. And see, God gave us his best when he gave us Jesus, the perfect one. And down in verse 11 it says, and the disciples believed that he really was the Messiah. Well, Jesus says, hey, it's great for those of you who've seen it and seen me, but those who haven't, they're even better. See, that's the challenge. But these guys who walked and talked with Jesus perform all these miracles. They saw him feed the 5,000. Uh, he healed the blind man. And by the way, when Jesus did things, he did things what? Perfectly well. When he healed the blind man, you didn't hear the blind man say, Well, I can see out of my left eye badly. I can see the big E. He didn't say that. He jumped up and down. He could see. When he went to the tomb of Lazarus, remember how the ladies were mad because Jesus sort of took his time and, and Jesus' friend Lazarus was deathly sick? He went over and the women were not happy with Jesus. Well, he took his time. Every Easter I watch Jesus of Nazareth. I cry like a little baby watching all those things reenacted. And there you see Jesus on that film with his arms outstretched saying, Lazarus, come forth. And out comes this guy who's wrapped in ceremonial burial cloths. You know, you didn't hear Lazarus come out, you know, six steps and then hear a thud. So whenever Jesus did things, again, he did things perfectly right. But as human beings, we get all hung up on, on perfection. Oh, if I could only be like that adorable pastor's wife. She's such a strong woman of faith. Oh, oh. What day of the week do you diet start on? Tomorrow. Why tomorrow? Because you're out for dinner tonight. You say, honey, I'm going to go down to Y and start working out, doing those aerobics, doing a little road work, lifting weights. I'm going to get the beautiful body back. No, I know I said that before, but I mean it. Uh, pass me that cherry cheesecake, would you, sweetheart? <laughs> See, that, that's what we do. That's the human condition. St. Paul, I mean, never caught his last name, but the guy's important. He calls himself worthless. If he's worthless, if he's worthless, where are you and me? On the manure pile of life. You know what I'm saying? He says, I tell myself I'm not going to do these things in the book of Romans in the seventh chapter. That I do these things. Who does that sound like? Sounds like you and I, doesn't it? It's a human condition that everybody in this room battles for one degree or another. John 14, my all-time favorite. Jesus gathers the disciples together. He knows the sands of time is going through that hourglass. Remember, ask yourself the question, do you really want to hop on that cross? No, he didn't. He said, Father, is there any way this cup can pass from me? And wow, you know, 
There they are. They're all together. And Jesus gets up and says, listen, guys, I'm out of here. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, he says, and you know where I'm going. <laughs> this is my favorite part. Because I identify with these guys because they're so stupid. And, and what do you learn in church today? All oh, the disciples are dumb as mud. Well, that's true. They were dumb as mud. And uh, Thomas gets in the act and he says, Lord, we have the foggiest idea where you're going. And then Philip gets in the act. And, and Philip says, yeah, yeah, show us the Father. And then we'll know. What does he say to Philip? Philip, after all this time you've been with me, you don't know who I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's takeaway for you and I, friends, in the fact that these guys who walked and talked with Jesus didn't have it all together. Because you and I, quite frankly, don't have it all together. But it doesn't mean we can't be used by God in a mighty way to change people's lives, to intercede in their lives, to help other people, to meet people where they're at. And that's what Jesus was so good at. Now, if you go out in this world and speak in Christianese, which we love to do, oh, God laid on my heart. Really? I was at a concert, and a guy closed the song with, the, I think it's called The Tribute or My Tribute, to God be the glory, great things he has done. The guy had a great voice. I went up to him afterward, just shook his hand and said, hey, that was great. Thank you for being with us. The guy looks at me right now and I said, oh, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And I thought, I could have sworn I saw his lips move. Maybe I missed something. But see, speaking in Christianese isn't going to bring anybody to Christ. Nobody's going to come to Christ by you going out in the world and, and talking your little Christianese jargon. But being a good friend and meeting people where they're at and all those kind of things, that's what's going to make a difference in your life and someone else's. See, though, some of you are perfectionists, okay? And I don't want to see a show of hands on, that, on this one, but you know who you are. There's a different type of perfectionist around, though, who lives in piles. I don't want to see hands on you either. Piles. You have piles on your desk. It piles at work, piles at home. The interesting thing is if someone asks you to find something, you know exactly which pile to look in. There's order within the disorder. What that tells me about you is you grew up with a critical-eyed parent. You had a parent who could spot a flaw at 50 paces. You know, the interesting thing about that statement is if you're an engineer or an accountant or an architect or something and perfectionist is paid off in your work, the same thing that makes you good at being whatever in the work is the same thing that works against you in your marriage. It's the same thing that works against you with your kids. You sit down to dinner. You've got a wife, gentlemen, who cooks dinner. They're getting hard to find. And your first observation is, hey, what's with the broccoli? i got news for you. You could be wearing broccoli shortly. That is not going to be rewarded in any sense of the word. But, but see, and some of you, and see, here's the thing. If you grew up with that, you always, you're always jumping higher. You're, you're the guy that wants to get saved every weekend because you really can't believe that God loves you as you are. You get hung up on works. Let me share a little ad that's in the birth order book here. It's a personal ad, not one word changed. Listen to it. Now, some people have expectations so high that no one could ever meet them. Listen to this. Christian, blonde, blue eyes, 5'2", 100 pounds, Caucasian female with no dependents, wishes to meet Protestant Christian professional man in 30s with college degree, who has compassion for animals and people, loves nature, exercise, and physical fitness. No team sports. Hmm. 
Music and dance, church and home life, desire non-smoker, non-drinker, slender, five feet, five feet seven to six feet tall, lots of head hair, no chest hair. Intelligent, honest, trustworthy, sense of humor, excellent communicator of feelings, very sensitive, gentle, affectionate, androgynous attitude about roles, giving, encouraging, and helpful to others, no temper or ego problems. I thought that was curious. Secure within and financially, health conscious, neat and clean, extremely considerate, dependable. I believe in old-fashioned morals and values. If you do too, and it's an impossible Christian commitment, write to Post Office Box 82533. Please include recent color photo and address. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that this woman is going to be single a long time. <laughs> because the high jump of our life is so high, and, and that's how some of us are. And see, the perfectionist does this. The pursuer of excellence has high goals, but they're, with, they're within reach. The perfectionist, when they fail, is done. They quit. The pursuer of excellence uses failure for what? A stepping stone to grow. How about criticism? You want to know where you are spiritually? How do you handle criticism in life? You know how difficult it is for criticism? Trust me, I'm on Facebook. Oh, my goodness. And the things that people will say, you know, uh, if you're in the public eye, I'm telling you, you get hammered some days, just absolutely hammered. And lots of times they're little Pharisee Christians. I came home from the Today Show once, and this woman just blasted me, just blasted me. And uh, I, we're talking about kids, and I said that kids were hedonistic little suckers. <laughs> and, and she writes me this 14-page handwritten letter, ripping me. And you've gotten these letters. I know you have. They're called Pharisee letters, and they have Scripture all the way through them, you know, citing various Scriptures. Uh, she started, Dear Dr. Lieberman, how it grieved my soul to see you call God's gifts our precious children hedonistic little suckers. <laughs> and, and, she just, and she ripped me, 14 pages. And then she had the audacity to sign it, In Christian Love, Ruth. I mean, I wanted to punch her out. Well, in a Christian loving way, of course, you know that. But... You know, that just comes with the territory, I guess. It's just part of the makeup of so many people. We love to be uh, critical. But see, the perfectionist hates criticism. The pursuer of excellence welcomes criticism. They say, hey, give me your best shot. I'd like to you know what you really think. And, uh, I mean, to, to me it's just amazing that people get hung up on all these minor stuff and they miss the big picture of what we're here for. Now, Here's the sucker question of the morning. Now, notice I say sucker question. Can you be a better Christian? That's the question. Can you be a better Christian? Now, it's a sucker question, so don't sit there and bob your head up and down. Because you can't be a better Christian. You really can't be a better Christian. You either believe or you don't. You're either pregnant or you're not. It's like asking somebody, can you be better pregnant? So you either believe or you don't. Let me tell you what Jesus says. Always pay attention to what Jesus says. He says, you know, if you're lukewarm about me, you know what I'm going to do? Revelation 3.16. He says what? I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So he doesn't want us to be lukewarm. How many of you have ever made a deal with God? Yeah. Come on, hands up higher on that one. We all make deals with God one time or another. Oh, Lord, you're the potter. I'm the client. 
Mold me, use me. I'm yours, Lord, all 94%. And what gets us into trouble is what? The 6% you want to hang on to. And you learn this one over and over. You get older, you'll figure this one out. Trust me. You learn just to trust and obey, as the old song said, because there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. And you have to fork it all over. He doesn't want those kind of deals. But if you're like Kevin Lehman, let me tell you what you do. You say, Lord, let me drive. I can drive. I'm a competent driver. And you get behind the old wheel of life, you'll start driving down the road of life, and all of a sudden, crash, and you're in a ditch. First word out of your mouth. Uh, Lord, that you, Lehman? Yeah. Just call me a tow truck. Get me out of here. It's on its way, fat boy. He is able and just to what? Forgive us of our sin. That's the one we learn over and over again. You know, as a speaker, I've gotten to speak to the governors of our nation. Did a thing with Bill Cosby at the request of the governor of Oklahoma. And Cosby, by the way, was wonderful. I had them all to myself. Um... But when I think of talks that I've given to people, there's three of them that stick out. And they were all in all African-American churches. I was introduced in Columbus, Ohio, as the coolest white dude he had ever met. That was my introduction. I'll never forget. I never had an introduction like that. And... uh when you speak to an all-black church, number one, they talk back to you. And if they get quiet, you're in trouble. And uh, they, get, they put me at a hotel, uh, the Marriott Residence Hotel, actually. And it was right next to where the people live in Columbus. And to my delight, the parking lot, was shared with one of my favorite restaurants, the Waffle House. Now, Mrs. Uppington does not go in a Waffle House. I wouldn't set foot in a Waffle House. I love the Waffle House. Those are my people. So anyway, I come down on a Saturday morning. There's a young black kid behind the counter, about 20 years old. He greets me. Morning, sir. I said, good morning. Any fat chicks looking for me this morning? I wish you could have seen this kid. I wish you could have seen the expression on his face. Sir? I said, any fat chicks looking for me this morning? Uh, no, sir. Well, if any fat chicks come looking for me, you tell them they're too late because I'm on my way to the Waffle House have me some breakfast. He popped up on that one. He said, oh, I love the Waffle House. I love that pork chop sandwich smothered and covered. Now, if you go to Waffle House, you know that terminology, smothered and covered. And, and so I go have my breakfast. I come back, bring him a little plate, tinfoil wrap, put it down in front of this kid. He says, what's that? I said, uh, pork chop sandwich, smothered and covered. Have a good day. The next day, Sunday, I come down. <laughs> Same kid's working. Only he, he, he greets me a little bit more enthusiastically. 
And he says to me, he says, hey, good morning, sir. I said, hey, good morning. Any fat chicks looking for me this morning? <laughs> now listen to what he says. This is really funny. He says, no, sir, but I've been keeping my eye out for you. <laughs> now we have formed what they call a relationship. Well, I said, well, if any fat chicks come by, you tell them they're too late because I'm on my way to Waffle House. I go have my breakfast. Always have the same breakfast, by the way. And uh, come back, and you probably guessed, I bring them another pork chop sandwich smothered and covered. Now, so far, let me just point out, I'm out 12 bucks. Okay? And I put it down in front of him, and he says, he says, wait, 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 wait. I walked away. He said, wait, 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 come here, come here, come here. Well, uh, um, um, what do you do? I said, uh, I'm a joy spreader. He said, say what? I said, I'm a joy spreader. He said, what's a joy spreader? I said, every place I go, I spread a little joy. And I started to walk away again. He said, no, no, come here, come here. Whoa, 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 whoa. You got what are you doing in Columbus? I said, actually, I'm speaking down here at Raymond Fellowship down the street. He said to me, oh. He said, I know a couple dudes that go there. I said, really? I said, I know the big dude there. He loves you and I. Last word I ever said to that kid. I didn't give him the four spiritual laws. Didn't beat him over the head. If you're a heathen here this morning, I'm not beating you over the head. You can stay a heathen. You can stay a heathen as long as you want. I'll be glad to tell you sometime. In fact, you come to the seminar, I'll tell you how God changed my life. I'm no longer a heathen, but I live there. I know what that's like. But let me just close with this thought. How many of you have uh, little pictures on your refrigerator door that little kids did? Hands up high. I'd like to see them. Yeah, look how many people have those pictures. Now, now here, here's the question. Are, are those pictures uh, any good? Good. I would say they're downright precious, Lehman. My little grandson, Timothy, uh, drew that picture of that airplane for his Grammy. Oh, uh, ma'am, I, I talked to Timothy, and that's a dinosaur. Well, it's still precious. You know, I think that's how God looks at you and I this morning, friends. It's just these little incomplete pictures that don't have it all together. But the good news is, He loves us. And the cool thing is, you can be driving on 540 north or south and talk to the creator of the universe. That's a, that's, that's a thought that's worth hanging on to. So go this week and spread a little joy. Make them things happen. Tweet, as the pastor says. That electronic age is something, isn't it? It really is. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for these people. Thanks for this growing church. Thanks for the many hands that uh, make this church uh, so vibrant, so real. Lord, I pray that you'll bless our time this weekend, that uh, lives will be changed, marriages will be changed. Insights will be given and kids will be changed. Families will be changed. I just pray that you will empower me, Lord, by way of your Holy Spirit, just to say the things that need to be said in the right way and always to be uh, bottom line that uh, the glory is given to you in all things. Father, thank you for loving us on this Sabbath day. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. You are awesome. We thank you. In Jesus' holy name I pray.